0: Before we get started, I wanna say something very controversial, and that is that there is a number floating above your head. Right now, there is a number floating above your head. It's a representation of what you are worth as a professional on the open market. Isn't that an offensive thing to say that you have an economic value? on the open market, but you know what? I believe it. Now, I don't believe that God sees you as anything but priceless. I certainly don't see you as anything but priceless. Your parents don't, your kids don't, your spouse see you as priceless, but the market puts a value on you. If you are able to drop some french fries into some grease for three minutes and pull them out and you have no other skill set, you're worth about 12 bucks an hour. But if you can actually lead and manage a team, you're worth about 25 bucks an hour. If you can create a sales funnel, you're worth about 40 or 50 bucks an hour. If you understand how a business really works and know how to keep it profitable and keep it from crashing, you know how each piece of the business interacts with each other piece, you actually have the skill set of a CEO, you might be worth hundreds if not thousands of dollars an hour, here's the big paradigm shift, that number that really is floating above your head. You can change it. You can actually make it grow. You can become worth much more tomorrow than you are today. And it's not by going back to college. The reality is when you went to business school, you actually didn't learn a whole lot that made you more valuable. And if you did learn something, you likely don't remember it because you were macro learning. You were sitting in lectures for hours and then reading entire books. And you are not applying that knowledge day to day. Well, there's a solution. It's my new book, Business Made Simple. You buy the book. It is 60 daily entries that walk you through 60 different principles that will increase that number floating above your head. You will understand what a CEO at a big company understands when you're done with these 60 days. Just read an entry, pour yourself a cup of coffee, watch the accompanying video it comes with every entry, and you will have a better-than-MBA education when you're done, all for less than 20 bucks. We just evened the playing field. Grab the book, Business Made Simple, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. Then here's a bonus. Forward your receipt to book at and I will immediately send you access to the course 0 to 10. Zero to 10 is a course that I created explaining to people how I grew a company from zero to $10 million in under five years. It was not easy. It was like managing chaos, but there are things that you need to look for in every phase of the growth. And if you don't jump over these hurdles, your growth will stagnate, it'll stall. So buy Business Made Simple, forward your email to book at businessmadesimple.com and get my free course Zero to 10 today. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. J.J. Peterson will be joining us later, but first, we're going to talk to Paula Ferris. Paula was a correspondent on Good Morning America and also co-host on The View at the peak of her career, at the very peak, and realized she was not in her dream job. She was not doing what she wanted to do. She was not doing what made her come alive, and so she quit and she moved to a small town by a lake, and she began to re-engineer her life. If that sounds like something you would like to do, you're going to love this conversation. Here's my conversation with Paula Ferris. Paula Ferris, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Donald. Excited to be here.
0: Called out why I traded two dream jobs for a life of true calling. Now, I gotta say this before we get started. You were you were a a host on Good Morning America, and you were co host of The View. That's the pinnacle. I mean, I mean, I, mean yeah. I would think for a journalist or for a television personality, that's like the top. And you said that was not your calling, and because it wasn't your calling. You were getting burned out. Will you describe to me what life was like? Your awful, horrible life at being at the <laughs> pinnacle of a, but, but tell me why it wasn't working.
1: It's not that it wasn't my calling. It's that I became addicted to what I did, Donald. Wow. And I think so many of us fall into that trap because it's, we're just buying the lies that society feeds us. What's your name? What do you do for a living? And so you invest everything, who you are, into what you do. And when there is that inevitable vocational change, and we all experience vocational changes throughout our life, um, and and that shifts, guess what? We don't know who we are outside of what we do. Now, for me, yes, I was at the pinnacle. I was at the height of my career, um, anchoring Good Morning America weekend, spilling in on Good Morning America during the week, co-hosting The View. But I was burned out. That doesn't mean I didn't love what I did. I still loved what I did, but I was totally defined by what I did. And it was at the expense of everyone around me and everything that I had professed to be of of value. I went through a really tough time. Within seven months, I had five, I would guess you would say like minor catastrophes happen. And I said, okay, I think this is a sign that I need to slow down. Because if I wasn't going to slow down, I felt like God was trying to slow me down. And so it was at the end of that season where I said, okay, I need to step off. I don't know what I'm stepping into, uh, but but I need to because I am, I'm addicted to work and I don't know who I am outside of what I did. So the book is really a kind of a discovery process of, Finding out who we are outside of what we do. You can love what you do, but don't be defined by what you do. I hope that the that the book really encourages and equips people to not just find out who they are outside of what they do, but really help carve vocational lanes for them and find like true purpose, real true purpose.
0: L- let's back up a little bit because, I, you know, part of the shtick of this whole podcast is I just get free counseling from really smart people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to say the same about you,
0: Donald. So. I don't know. You're here to counsel me. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I am that guy. I mean, I I, I, I I, am, you know, grew up really poor, stood in line for government cheese, grew up in the government projects, made terrible grades in school, all my my quote unquote rich friends from the other side of the track that I now realize were just upper middle class. <laughs> but anyway, they, exactly. you know, they were just normal, <laughs> healthy families is all they were. But, you know, I felt left behind. And so there, there was this chip on my shoulder as I, I became an author and grew my company I think one of the big problems is, though, Paul, is first of all, I do have a balanced life. My wife would never say that I'm I'm a workaholic. In fact, we made that agreement when we got married. She said, we won't be a working family. And what she meant by that is we won't be a family that exists to work. We're going to be a family that exists to be a family. And that was a commitment I made to her, and I haven't broken it. At the same time, I've given up all my hobbies. I don't play golf. I I go fishing once a year and take a lot of pictures of it and then spread them out to make it look like I have a personal life. (laughs) But (laughs) that's very strategic about that. But, I love my life, I love my life. I love getting to work. I love the people that I get to work with. We have a blast together. you know i I do believe I 'm in my my sweet spot in terms of what God wants me to do. Yep. it is not by the way, a church mission i am not here to build the church. I really like God brought me on to help entrepreneurs make more money and build their companies and provide more jobs I, That's what I love. However, there's a part of me, Paula, to speak to what your book talks about that wonders if there isn't going to come a day where I regret, where I regret not taking up painting or gardening or spending more time with Betsy or having a, a $50 million company instead of a $250 million company. Like, what in God's name am I going to do with the difference between that money, right? I'm not going to buy a boat. I don't want a hobby. Yeah. But what would you say? What, are the, what, what could possibly be in my blind spot? And the reason I ask that is, I think, it's, I think I'm talking to, about most of our listeners. What could possibly yeah. be in our blind spot? What are we not seeing?
1: Well, listen, I think there's a a difference between you and I, okay, and where we were. I was at the height of my career, and you could arguably say the same for you. But I couldn't say that my professed values weren't clashing with my professional choices. Yeah. Okay? So for me, the the choices that I was making were clashing with the person that I wanted to be and the person that I said I was. So there was a direct contradiction right there.
0: And that'll drive you crazy.
1: Yeah, it will. So I think you, you have to ask, listen, you, not everybody has to blow up their lives like I did. Okay. That's, that's not the case. It's again, love what you do. Don't be defined by it, but ask yourself that question. Are my professed values clashing with the choices that I'm making? Okay. And then would I would I know who I am if this thing shifted, if job shifted, if bank account shifted, if this thing that I have misplaced my significance in has shifted? Because for me, Donald, so long when he, people said, who are you? And I said, I'm Paula Ferris. I'm the anchor of Good Morning America, and I'm a co-host of The View. And guess what? When that shift happened, I didn't know who I was. Mm. So for me, finding out who I was outside of what I do has been so... A, I know my worth isn't just my work, but it's given me permission to branch out and to try new things because I know where my true worth lies. So now when you say, Paula, you know, tell me about yourself. I say, hey, Paula, I'm a wife. I'm a mother of three. I love Jesus. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions and I like to champion people.
0: Is your identity really anchored in that?
1: Absolutely. And, And you notice that that purpose, that mission statement that I have it is not going to be changed by circumstances. It is not right. going to be changed by a pandemic.
0: It's in your control.
1: Totally in your control. And that's what I really hope to equip people with um, in the book and just in the way that I live my life. Here's the, here's the question that you have to ask yourself, okay? And this is um, this is one of those questions that will help uncover the type of person you are because I truly believe we all have unique talents and gifts, okay? You ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you love, and what do trusted people notice that you are good at and that you love? Okay, so for me, I thought so long, well, I'm good at being a broadcaster. It's what I love, and other people notice I'm a good broadcaster. But I had to peel back those layers, Donald. And what made me a good broadcaster? I'm curious. I asked questions. My nickname growing up was Paula 20 Questions. (laughs) So once I uncovered that, that became part of my purpose statement and and it gave me the permission to say, I don't just have to be a broadcaster. I can use my curiosity, my question asking, my, my gifts and talents to champion and challenge people in so many different capacities.
0: There's a group of successful people whose careers make no sense. They just kept following their curiosity and their passion and it just worked. And you have to wonder if that isn't an element. Mm -hmm. You keep talking about your purpose statement. Mm -hmm. How did you write your, was there a process that you went through and can you take us through it?
1: Your purpose statement shouldn't have anything to do with what you do, Donald, because if if it does, guess what? Like my original purpose statement was, you know, I love Jesus. I'm a wife. I'm a mom, but I'm the Good Morning America anchor and I'm a co-host of The View. That shifted. So my purpose was shifted. Do you, do you, you see where I'm going with that? Totally. So the way that you uncover your purpose statement, it's who you are and the type of person also that you want to be. Also ask yourself those three questions. What are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people notice you're good at and you love? And notice it shouldn't have anything to do with what you do for a living because you're gonna use that purpose statement to fulfill and manifest the doing.
0: You know, th- th- this is not a faith podcast. There's no, there's no religious element to this. I'm, I, I prayed to Jesus. I wrote Christian memoirs. It's how I got my start before I started writing business books. But I, I would not consider myself, um, you know, as as part of the evangelical community anymore. Sure. The whole mission of every church I ever went to was to build the church. It was literally to put butts in those seats. And I kind of thought, well, my skill set that God has given me doesn't do that. My skill set builds businesses. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm trying to help dentists make more money and I've never heard a single sermon on today. We're going to open the book of Colossians and we're going to help dentists make more money <laughs> Our plumbers figure out their market. So I'm like um, whatever mission Jesus has me on ain't helping you guys so I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds very similar to you that you're, that you're somebody who talks about Jesus. You probably pray to Jesus I would imagine and that's a big deal for you and yet your mission doesn't sound like the traditional evangelical mission. I don't mean to ruffle feathers here. No. Was there? I've never asked this question before. Was there a journey that you were on that helped you? Because a lot of people would say, well, if you're not helping the church, put butts in seats down here at the local steeple and given a tithe yeah. offering, what, what use are you to us? And how yes. did you deal with that?
1: Well, there's so many contradictions within the church, too. Sure.
0: It's a group of people. Where you have people, you have chaos.
1: And and I went to, and listen, I you know I did a, three seasons of a podcast about faith, and I talked to people of many different faiths to to really peel back the layers of what made them tick, and I learned about other faiths. So I respect people, no matter where they're coming from, but I do think we should all show up as our true self. If you're Jewish, show up as Jewish. Tell me about your traditions. If you're Muslim, show up as Muslim and tell me all about your, your culture and traditions. Yeah,
0: tell me about your journey. Tell me where how you followed your heart, where you got there, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. For me, I think you know, growing up in a pretty strict home, going to a Christian college, we were told it was ingrained in us that if you want to minister, you have to work in ministry, and that's such a lie. Um, I, again, I believe in the Bible. I respect people that don't, but the Bible says you're to be salt of the earth and a light in the darkness. You don't sh- a light doesn't shine. Look, I've got a candle burning next to me. If I light another candle, it's not really going to shine. But if I take this and I turn all the lights off in this room and I shine my light. Okay, is that that light is going to shine in the dark places, right? But I absolutely think that that's such a lie and such a fallacy like shine your light, shine your light in the darkness.
0: Be fully you.
1: Yes. And be embrace who you are. Show up as your true self. That's how we're really going to break down so many of these barriers of ignorance, of naivete, of racism is we show up as our unabashed true selves in love. And then you just start having really great conversations and learning about one another. And you realize, gosh, I didn't know that, but that's really cool and I respect you for that. You can believe what you can believe and I can believe what I believe. We show up as our true selves and we mutually respect one another.
0: Okay, there's two more seasons of your life that I want to hear about. The first season was you're at the pinnacle of your career, but you really are not doing well. 7 different catastrophes hit you at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Here's the second season I want to hear about. Was there a detox period? where <laughs> I knew there was. was there a deto- so brutal. tell me about the detox period when your identity is wrapped up and in, in the pinnacle of what the world can offer you. Yeah. And now you got to go, I matter because I'm a mom, right?
1: Yep. So I had been sensing that my priorities were askew. I looked around again, I asked myself that question, uh, are your professed values clashing with the choices you were making? And mine absolutely unequivocally were within, Seven months, I had five major things happen to me. I had a miscarriage with an emergency surgery. Like
0: I'm sorry. The,
1: the, the day before, um, I'm interviewing Sean Spicer for an exclusive interview. So I have a miscarriage with an emergency surgery. Um, and it's okay. I've had four miscarriages. And they're very normal, okay? No. Um, not trying to downplay it. But um, anyway, miscarriage, emergency surgery. Then a freak accident at work. I was hit in the head with an apple 60 miles an hour. Basically oh. took a fastball to the head. Right before I went live. I don't, how did that happen? I know I was, I was down on wall street, getting ready to go live for good morning America. <sighs> this, uh, we were talking about the bull run and I like literally 10 seconds before I went on, somebody just clocked me and the, the surveillance video showed that it was traveling 60 miles an hour. So I took a fastball, like right oh behind my, my ear, the orbital bone concussed. So I was out of work for three weeks. And then the day that I got cleared to go back, Donald, The day I got cleared, like five minutes after I received the email on my phone, I get in a head on car crash. And then I get influenza. Influenza turns into pneumonia and I was like, all right, here's my white flag yeah. I know I need to slow down because I had that stirring in my spirit that I was supposed to Supposed to, to like dial it back a little bit But I was so scared and so often we know what we're supposed to do But our fear paralyzes us because we're scared of the season that we're walking away from scared of what we're walking into And fear can be internal. It can be external for me. It was very internal I was scared of how people would be me that I was a has-been that I was a failure that I was irrelevant and like who walks away at the height of their career, who pumps the brakes. So anyway, after that season, I said, I need to, I need to take a step back. I don't know what I'm walking into. ABC allowed me to shift my schedule a little bit, but I realized once I stepped away um, and dialed it back significantly, I had no idea who I was outside of what I did.
0: What did that feel like?
1: Awful. I felt like, like you said, detox. I, I had, I was an addict. My addiction, my bottle was work. That was my narcotic of choice. And people say, do you miss it? Of course, an addict always misses a hit, right? Okay, but I know the path that I'm on right now and I have peace about it. I felt like I was crawling through mud and fog and rain because, A, I had to, to swallow humble pie and eat crow because, I had to realize that the person that I'd become is not the person that I had professed I wanted to be. Mm. And then I went on this journey of just trying to listen to the right voices and trying to find out how this happened. And I know how it happened because that's what society tells us. And it's what churches tell us. Find your calling and it's career related. Um, What's your name? What do you do? You ask a kid, what do you want to do when you grow up? As if that's the only thing we bring to the table, that is our only value. And when that shifts and mine did significantly, I didn't know who I was outside of it. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to find your purpose, okay, without attaching it to the doing. Mm. I need to know who I am outside of this so that when this happens again, I'm not going to be rocked.
0: It's really beautiful because what you're doing is you're taking uh, an external locus of control and turning it into an internal locus of control external things define who i am versus internal things define who i am. Yes. Okay, final question. Yes. What is what is life like now that you've you're off of the, the juice, you're you're sober? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell me tell me why we should be like you. Oh gosh, i don't know if you should be like me. <laughs> but
1: you need to find the healthiest version of yourself. Yeah. Some of it was change i chose and some of it was change i didn't choose. But, you know, we decided back in March when we came down to South Carolina, I didn't have another job lined up. I didn't have anything lined up. I just felt this peace in my spirit. And so did my husband that we were supposed to stay here, even though it didn't make sense. And I say, if you have a peace, proceed. If you don't have a peace about it, then pause. Hmm. Fear is something that's going to paralyze your purpose. And for me, like fear paralyzed me so often. But I had to realize fear is normal. Peace and fear can coexist. They they are not mutually exclusive. So I could be peaceful that we are down here and we're supposed to be in South Carolina in the middle of nowhere, but still be scared as hell about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's on the other side, but I have a peace. So I'm proceeding. And once we accepted that, once we stepped out in faith, not knowing what was on the other side, really cool opportunities came up. Uh, that we didn't, that weren't even a pot, on our radar. And I really, at the heart of it, I just want to be this person again that champions people through the question asking, um, through my innate curiosity, that champions people, equips and empowers them to be the best version of themselves. And I'll be launching a company, which again, I'm not a business person, but I'm going to use my gifts and talents of curiosity and championing people in that particular space.
0: You're pretty excited.
1: I'm super excited. I'm scared. Of course, but that's normal of course I, that's totally normal
0: if you're not scared you're not doing it right
1: no and you know what helped me press into my fear i made my own compilation of questions that i asked myself based upon what's worked for me and what's worked for other people um but i ask myself five questions a what is it that i'm scared of and i write that down b uh what's the worst thing that could happen and i write that down if i press into that fear and i go for it c what's the best thing that could happen if I go for it? Because so often we go negative, right? Donald, we're like, oh, if I go for it, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna fail or this could happen. But what's the best thing that could happen? Like change your paradigm. And then ask yourself, D, think about some times where you allowed your fear to hold you back, big and small. Um, And then E, you know, write down some instances where you didn't allow your fear to paralyze you. And remember that feeling. I didn't, you know, screw that. I went for it, right. you know, and I don't have a regret that I didn't go for it no matter what happens. So that helps me to really, name it and call the fear out and then work through it.
0: I love it. Paula, thanks for joining us. The book is called out why I traded two dream jobs for a life of true calling. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Thank you, Donald. It was my pleasure. All
0: right, JJ, here's the thing that I always think after an interview like this. Yeah. I wonder whether or not to believe them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I mean that. I yeah, mean that I in, in a moment of confession and vulnerability because <laughs> yeah. I'm in the warrior stage of my career. Yeah. Right? The warrior stage goes out and conquers and builds the empire. It's an important stage yeah. of development. And then you enter into the altruistic stage. These are archetypes, yeah. narrative archetypes, you know, stemming from Joseph Campbell's work. You know, there's a temptation to sort of take your foot off the gas because that's not what life is really about. Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of go, but what if I get suckered yeah. into yeah. not accomplishing? Like, like literally, if you ask me now, and I'm 49, I'm not, I'm not very old, and I'm in the warrior stage, and uh, it probably should be coming to an end here in about 10, 12 years. I should be coming, becoming more sage-like. Uh-huh. Uh, but in the warrior stage, if you say, Don, what would be one of the regrets that you have if you die? Like right now, I would say, ooh, not working hard enough. <laughs> 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 and Paula is one of those one of those voices that begin to mitigate, almost regulate the yeah. engine. And here's the thing. You know she's right. Yeah. The harsh fact of our life is you literally can't take any of her successes with you. It's almost like she's on the other side. And yeah. I wonder, am I ever going to be on the other side? And is it right for me to be on the other side right now? Or am I in the warrior phase and I need to activate that? Well, I I mean, she's still... Took control. You're talking about building something, right? When you talk about the warrior phase, it's kind of like conquering and building and creating a world, right? right? And right. and you're doing it this way through the business. She's taking control and creating the world she wants to create. So she, I would say, is still in that warrior phase. Her warrior, her war, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, her yeah. battle is different than yours. Yeah. So while she's still like kind of holding to kind of these higher principles that maybe you are longing for as well. I would say you also still have those in the midst of your warrior face. You're still creating the world you want to create. You're creating it by helping businesses grow and kind of creating this influence that ultimately we hope will granted change the face of America. The point is though is that megalomania is that a, a drive to really help the world and I would say my answer to that question is yes. Yeah. I think the reality is that one of the reasons this podcast exists is to bring those tensions into light, not to resolve them. Yeah. But because the tension itself is good. Here's the thing we have in common. She was called out. Yep. That's the name of her book. Yeah. I was called in. Yep. And but it I mean there's no question I wake up in the morning and it, you know, like the blues brothers, I'm on a mission from God to create this thing, and so are you. And maybe that's why you know, the three of us in very different aspects are actually pretty happy. Well, one of the things that is one of the core values of Business Made Simple's value-driven professional is to have a strong bias toward action. Yes. (laughs) Don't (laughs) keep thinking about it. Do it, yep. make something happen. And Paula Ferris certainly did that. Thanks for being our guest today. Another great conversation. Yeah, I wanna remind everybody that the name of the podcast is changing. It's gonna be called Business Made Simple starting January one. It's the same people, the same fun interviews and some some even greater things that we're planning on the new podcast. So look out for that. Business Made Simple is the name of the new podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of Building a Story Brand, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.